Ready? Yep. All right. And go. Hi, I'm Tyler Sheff of the Cashflow Guys podcast, and you're listening to Jeff Smith from the Vroom Vroom Veer podcast. Stay tuned. Well done, sir. Wow. I love that, like that? voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous. I want a good doll. <laughs> All right. I'll be right back. All right. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Jeff, uh, it's great and uh, we're going to roll up our sleeves and tell some stories and um, get to some meaningful business things today. So thanks for your, thank you for having me. Hey, I, I appreciate you being here. So, And I, I like looking at this picture of this cute little doggy. What's the doggy's name? <laughs> oh, that's Gracie. Oh. Gracie's our cockapoo. Cockapoo, which is, so cute. Um, you know, I, uh, I've always been more of a cat guy and oh, I never right, liked okay. when I went to people's houses and the dog started barking at me and yeah, trying to chew my right, leg right, off. Right. And, they know and they and can so smell it kids, on you. Yeah. <laughs> when my kids begged me for a dog, uh, uh quite a, probably 10 years ago, um, it's like, well, you know, there's, I got certain constraints here. Like, it, you know, it can't do this and it can't do that. And I actually got with some of my dog lover friends and we narrowed it down over the hundreds of breeds. There was like four uh, that, that I would be okay with. So Gracie, Gracie is like a cockapoo cat and she lays <laughs> on the couch, you know, in the sunshine like cats do. And okay. she doesn't. She doesn't go berserko barking unless there's really something unusual, in which case then she's a nice security guard. So, okay. you know, so no, nobody gets away with sneaking in my house at, at night. Right. Gotcha. And it's, it's good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. Sounds like a cool dog. A very cool dog. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, what you've got going on with this book that you wrote. I mean, so it's pretty cool that you can say, yeah. Oh, any 80-20? Yeah, I wrote the book about that. <laughs> so good for you. I like that. So talk a little bit about uh, what you're talking about with, I'm, I think most of the people in the audience have heard of the 80-20 rule, but talk a little bit about the book. Well, you know, most probably know what I knew maybe 15 years ago, which was, oh, yeah, uh, 20% of your customers bring up 80% of the cash register and the other 80% only do 20%. That's kind of interesting. And that's about as far as, as I went. Okay. Um, but uh, but, but that is right. It's, that's, that is only a skimming the surface understanding of, of what it really is. And uh, when I really began to understand it, I started to realize that just about every business strategy that works actually revolves around 80-20. And 80-20 is usually the easiest way to explain 
anything that works or doesn't work in business. And I was just astounded that nobody was really talking about it the, the way that they should. And, and, um, and uh, I, I had this uh, epiphany when I was reading Richard Koch's book, The 80-20 Principle. And I, yeah, if we're going to be fair, I'd have to say he's really the guy he wrote that wrote the, the okay. book. <laughs> he wrote the book. All right. But, <laughs> but there, there were two things um, that, that Richard didn't really focus on. Um, the first one is, is his book isn't, doesn't focus specifically on sales and marketing. And I think for a person who – you know, you're either a sales guy, sales gal, or you wear the main sales hat. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, you're the, you know, the buck stops with you and you're the one, you're the rainmaker. Right, There's a right. whole bunch of things, very specific things that you need to know. And the set, and we'll get into that. The, the second part, what though, was that nobody else in the 80, 20 world had really explained, uh, that, there's an 80-20 inside every 80-20, and right. there's another one, yeah, yeah, right. and there's another one, and then there's another one. Um, it, it's it's fractal, if you know that word. A fractal is the idea of a pattern within a pattern within a pattern, right. and it's the same pattern. Like the tree in your front yard is fractal because, you know, microscope or stand 100 feet away, it's, it's the same yeah, branching yeah. pattern. And yeah. 80 20 is, is like that. Wow. And when you put those two things together, it is just absolutely explosive. And, and so what 80 20 sales and marketing really is, is it's the book that I wish I had when I w started in sales 20 years ago. What happened 20 years ago was my wife was three months pregnant. I was an engineer um, uh, designing speakers and acoustics at Jensen. And, um, and we had a couple of bad quarters and they laid a bunch of us off, Ooh, including cool. me. Yeah. And so, all right. So I got a baby coming in six months and I'm scrambling around in Chicago. And if I want to stay in the same field, I'm going to have to move. I don't want to move. So I go into sales. Okay. So, that was a rude awakening. That's a bit of a veer. That's a veer. Yes. That was a, yeah, some veer and some vroom. Yeah, that's uh, right. Both. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, 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 and so I, I remember when, when I was, I was hunting for jobs, it, 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 it turned out to be surprisingly easy to get an interview for a sales job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, yeah, <laughs> it always is, right? That you're constantly. Kind of, I've I've noticed this after I got past a certain age, like insurance people are just constantly emailing you saying, "I know this isn't really related to your field, but <laughs> yes. right. like, well, yeah, you know, They're there's a supply need, and demand thing right, going they on. They always there. need more salespeople, and you know, they figure, hey, you know, we give it a shot. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And, sure. and and I remember this friend of mine going, well, you know, Perry, you, you know, you, you don't just stick a pencil behind your ear and go into an entirely new profession. You know, there is quite a bit of subtlety to this. And, you yeah. know, I had a, a, a certain amount of hubris, which is typical of engineers, by the way. You yeah, know, going from uh, engineer to uh, sales, it, that's a bit of a, it's a kind of a... Um, there's a quantum leap there, right? I mean, just in stereotypes. <laughs> oh, there is. And, and right, he was, right. He was trying to tell me that. Yeah. 
Uh, and I wasn't quite tuning into what he was saying, you know. Um, uh, but I, I did find out soon enough. I mean, in the sales job I got, I mean, it was it wasn't a bad job. It, uh, it was a pretty decent company, and um, but man, two and a half years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup and spiraling credit card balances and <laughs> pounding the phone yeah. and going to see people and racking up the mileage on my car and like really just not not really knowing how to do this and and not not getting the kind of help I needed you know I I I worked for this guy named Fred and Fred was an amazing sales guy, but I'll be darned if he could really explain what he did to anybody. Uh, Maybe it was, he didn't want to. You don't know. You know, there's, well, there's actually, those people too. <laughs> we don't know. I don't, I'm not I, saying one I way or the other. In hindsight, th there is there is a, a test that I designed um, that we sell for $37 on my website in, in which there there is a backdoor free link to take one time in, in the 80-20 sales and marketing book. Okay. And it it measures how do people actually sell and persuade. And it's very accurate. And um, and it's got different categories of, of people and how they sell. And different people sell very differently. And I would describe Fred in my language of today – as a hostage negotiator. <laughs> okay. That doesn't sound very friendly or pleasant. <laughs> well, no, it's a real compliment to the guy. And what, what it, here's what it means. Uh, a hostage negotiator is somebody where you can throw them into a sales situation and put them at a table in front of somebody else. And they will just, they'll figure it out. They will somehow levitate money out of the guy's wallet. They will somehow get the purchase order. They'll negotiate it. They'll work the deal. They'll twist it around. Um, the, the, they wow. think really fast on their feet. Um, a lot of times they don't even remember what they said five minutes later, but you just know, well, you must've said the right thing. Cause I don't know how you <laughs> did it, but you got the purchase order out of this guy. Wow. And we've all met people like that. Right, right. In fact, they're they're kind of maybe the stereotypical salesman. Well, I'm not a stereotypical salesman. I could not figure out how Fred did what he did. I I could not figure out how he got away with saying some of the things he said. Right. Um. Right. The whole sales <laughs> process was yeah. kind of a mystery to me. Yeah, yeah. I had this idea that if I just go in and build relationships with people and solve their problems, they'll give give me money. That isn't true. That doesn't work. No. <laughs> no. Um, and, 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 and man, this is, this is just really hard. And well, so this goes on for two years. Uh, but, but about a year and a half into it, I wandered into the Peoria civic center in Peoria, Illinois, and they were having one of these big shindigs where, you know, they got like Norman Schwarzkopf and Barbara Bush and wow. Zig Ziglar and like all these, Heavy hitters. you know, yeah, all these heavy hitters, right? The, these big names, right? Um, and, you know, it's really kind of a big pep rally with 45-minute speeches is what it is. But, hey, you know, um, I'm, you know I, I'll take anything I can get. I'm really hungry and I'm really desperate and <laughs> i got to make this work. And I'm still and, trying to learn here. I'm still, oh, my, I'm, I'm really trying to learn. Well, the last guy to speak was Dan Kennedy. 
um, uh, who wasn't nearly as well known then as he is now. And, um, and Dan gave this really grisly talk about pounding the phone, pounding the pavement, uh, advertising. Like what you were doing. You were pounding and grinding. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, he was actually, he was the first person to just come out and say that this is a low-level form of grunt work that absolutely sucks and that nobody should ever have to do unless they're like I don't know captured by the Viet Cong, um, <laughs> and, and 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 like no, you know, like all these other guys, it'd be like, oh, you know, you you smile and you pick up that phone and you just give them a gust of positivity, right? Yeah. <laughs> Larry, tremendous Jones, life is terrific. You know, and I'm yeah. like, you know, kind of isn't terrific. You, Dan was like the first person to actually admit it. Everybody else is just kind of pretending, right? Okay. And, 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 uh, but, but he, he had a really serious message and it was, you should replace, uh, prospecting with positioning. You should replace cold calling with results accountable advertising. And if you're advertising, you need to do direct marketing advertising, not branding advertising, and um, he levitated, I think it was like $287 out of my wallet that day, which was pretty remarkable because <laughs> I did buy tapes. I did buy tapes and books back then, but they were always like the $10 or $20 ones. Right, right. They weren't, you know, um, but, uh, but man, he, he hit all my buttons and that, that might be one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I mean, undoubtedly it was. Um hmm. And, and, and the funny thing was I, I took that thing home and I'm like, it, it wasn't all that well put together. Uh, it was like photocopies of photocopies and all wow. in the binder and the, yeah. the tapes weren't really all that quality. And I, I actually had some doubts about whether this was legit, but I, I managed to hang on to it and to try some stuff. And I started finding out that this actually works. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it, it only worked a little bit and I was trying to apply it in a really suboptimal situation, but it did work. And, and, um, well, I got fired from that job a few months later. Okay. Um, but I, I went to this other place and, um, and, now and you by the way, this experience, so that's good. Well, well, <laughs> well, I, I managed to kind of artfully answer the questions and kind of avoid the fact that my sales experience wasn't really all that good. Um, but, sure. but, but, but the new place, um, they needed a much more technical minded person than the old place did, which was a huge help for that me. Helps. Right. Um, the other thing though, was they had a website, by the way, this was 1997. Okay. Okay. And having a, having a website in 1997, you were definitely ahead of the curve and their customers were ahead of the curve because most of their customers were engineers who used the web every day and wow. they would research purchases on the web every day. And this is kind of ahead of the whole AOL explosion and stuff. And so, yeah, there was hardly and, an internet in 1997. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Well, well, there was an internet, but it wasn't, it, the, the World Wide web was not like what it was yet. No, yeah, and, and not even close. And and so so at this point, I've been reading Dan Kennedy books and manuals and tapes about 
sales letters and copywriting for six months and direct response marketing. And now I am the sales and marketing manager of a teeny tiny little company that has a website. And without anybody really even telling me, I quickly figured out, hey, wait a minute. Internet marketing and direct mail are almost like the same thing. Yeah. You're just using email instead. Right. Yeah. Or a web page. Or a web page. Right. right. And, and, and so, like, I'm, I'm connecting the dots and I'm reading Dan's newsletters and I'm really starting to get into this. And you know what? That started working. And I think maybe the second month I, I, I actually got a commission check that Whoa. was of an appreciable size in addition to my base. Um, I was talking to people every day who had been on our website and figured some stuff out. And now they had some more questions and they would call me and I would answer the questions and solve their problems and and they would buy stuff and I was getting commission on it. And um, every day I would open my email box and I would have leads coming in. Um, and, and some of them came in over the fax and some of them came other ways uh, and the phone, phone was ringing and this, this dream of having sales leads being positioned, um, having advertising out there somewhere that's actually bringing people to you. It was actually working. Oh my word. Yeah. It so was this is shocking than- to you. This is like, wow, I'm, I'm learning to levitate money. <laughs> It, it, it was better than therapy in an hour long massage. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> uh, it was such a relief. Sure. And, and I'm oh, yeah. telling you, like, like the wolf was at their door at this point. Really? It really was like, like we were starting to have conversations like, well, you know, I guess if worse came to worse, we could move back to Nebraska and live it you know, live in that little house next to your parents' house or, you know, which would Ooh, be just wow. dreadful, but yeah. you know, yeah, but you're you're starting to to I'm, to I'm visualizing. Talk about yes, I'm visualizing. That would be awful. And like you know, I want to do that. The summer that I got fired from that job, like you know, my wife drives to Nebraska from Chicago, and and the engine blows just east of Des Moines, about forty miles, and her her dad has to go, you know, get her, you know, has to drive two and a half hours to go help her out, and. You know, and then I'm spending twelve hundred dollars on a new engine, and I'm putting on a credit card. You know, oh my goodness, it was just you know, and the, oh, and the baby girl, you know, the baby girl in the back seat, and there's no air conditioning, and you know, Laura's out on a highway. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and it, like it just, it's just compounds, right? Yeah, like oh, yeah. that's only one day's problems. That's not even <laughs> right. the next day. Right. Right. Wow. And so oh, it was just bloody difficult. And, right. and, and so, so fast forward and all of a sudden like, well, okay, so we're, we're paying our minimum credit card balances. I'm getting commission checks. Um, we're not, we haven't missed any mortgage payments. Um, you know, and, and actually I like the car's working. Yay. <laughs> I like this job. Oh, this is actually what? very cool. bonus. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I like the stuff we're selling. This is actually very interesting, and I like how we're selling it. And you're using and, a little bit of your technical background. Oh yes, yes, actually, and 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 I I need to say, um, you know, just for because this is going to be useful to somebody. Um, so the, the the company that I worked at 
was it was called WD Engineering Sales. And it seemed as though an engineer working at the engineering sales company was a good idea, but they, it was a lot more sales than engineering. Okay. <laughs> they really just wanted the sales. Right. And one, one time I introduced myself to one of the factory guys because we were a rep firm. And I said, hi, I'm Perry. I'm an electrical engineer. And my boss, it was, he didn't physically yank me by the collar, but it felt like he did. He said, <laughs> He says, uh, Perry is a sales guy. Like, he's correcting me. Like, Perry right. is not an electrical engineer. He's a sales, sales guy. guy. He kind of smiles at me like, let's get this straight, Perry. Okay? Right. And, and like, they didn't want somebody that's going to walk into a customer and go, like, diagnose their system. Sure. Okay? Just get the order. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and th this is not working for me because like, like l looking at the fish picture on the guy's wall and talking to him about fishing trips, like this is just not how I roll. Okay. Okay. And, and, and this is so, so all of a sudden I'm, I'm at a company where no, like these are engineers calling up and they got questions about stuff and like a regular sales guy just ain't going to cut it. And, and now why am I telling you this is because, because I kind of knew pretty quickly that this mismatch was going on and I just kept trying to band-aid it together um, and sort of like th keep throwing good money after bad. Okay. And, and, you know, like if you're in a sales or a marketing situation, what you sell and how you sell needs to match who you are. No, that makes sense. And if, yeah. you, if you know that it doesn't, so like the mar back to the marketing DNA test. So there are hostage negotiators and they are just in the moment and they emotionally connect with people and they think super fast on their feet, but there's other ways to sell. So you and I probably know a lot of people, they're like professional copywriters or they engineer product launches or something and they'll sit in their cave and they will craft a sales promotion or a video, or or a sales letter, whatever it might be, or a series of of of, of launch um, points for months, right. and they'll and they'll string it all together like a Rube Goldberg machine, and then they'll stay in their cave and they'll just like push a button, and wow. these airplanes will fly out with atomic bombs or something, right? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll fill in all these customers. They're engineering and, 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 sales, basically. Yes. Yeah, they are. They yeah. are. They're. they're in some sense, there's like in they're they're stringing this whole thing together, right? And there there's some people they sell just by telling these fabulous stories and they make you cry, right? And there's some people that sell with spreadsheets and numbers and proof and actuaries and NASA science studies and and stuff like that, right? And sure. there, and and you have to know how you sell. And I I, I came up with eight specific modalities and most people are a combination or two or th of two or three of them, which really gives you thousands of combinations and you need to sell within your strength. Right. So for example, a hostage negotiator is almost never a good copywriter because they think too fast. Mm. Their brain moves so fast. They can't, they can't slow it down enough for it to come out of their fingers in the keyboard. I don't think that <laughs> fast. I'm a right. good writer because I think at a lower speed. I mm. mean, I'm pretty good on my feet, really, but but not so 
you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I do. Yeah. You really, you, you have to get this right. And, and if this is why I made the marketing DNA test, which is in the book, um, if, if you don't have this right, you are just going to be having all this friction and all this struggle and you're going to be fighting yourself Mm. and it, it sucks. Okay. Mm. It sucks when you're fighting your own nature all the time. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, I ran into something similar, uh, now I wasn't trying to sell, but it was just um it's very analogous to what you're talking about here is I tried the blog. Don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Now I could talk uh, I could I've done like three or four podcast recordings all in one day and just felt energized because I like doing that. That's fun for me, right? So you have to work within, you know, the uh your talent set, I think is Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. That is the internet marketing version of what I was talking about. And so think about it. There are vast categories of media that exist now that didn't exist 20 years ago. So like 20 years ago, nobody would have even had the slightest notion that there would be one kind of person who's good with Pinterest and another kind of version who's good at <laughs> podcasting right. and another and that's good at blogging and another that's good at emails. Right, because none of these another words, words meant, face- meant anything. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the, each of them has its own particular ecosystem of what really works. Right. And, 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 and you could be, so like I'm really good at, at email. In fact, I'm almost wicked good at email. <laughs> I think I'm decent at Facebook at, okay. on a good day. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, it's very finicky. I, I don't really, I'm not a fan. Well, well, right. And then now it, I, I it seems it to work value. great. For it works time. great. Right. But I, I'm just, I just know I'm not good at it. Well, right. And yeah. so, and so like, if one thing doesn't work for you, then maybe there's another one or maybe there's another one. But, right, right. you know, you just have to go out and experiment. And the, and the fact is a, a lot of times the experimentation will happen either because you're young, dumb and stupid. And you got time on your hands. Right. And you're unemployed or or because you're in a tight spot. and You just got to figure something out. And look, that's how we grow. That's how we evolve. And, and it's OK. Oh yeah, you know, somewhere out there is a formula that works for you, and 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 I really need to make it clear: like everybody does have to sell in some sense or another. Everybody has to enlist cooperation, and everybody has a way of doing it. You just need to know what your way is, mm. and you need to put yourself in situations that that um, that honor that. And when 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 before I got fired from that job, I knew the axe was coming, and. Uh, <laughs> And, you, how how long, and, how long did you know it was coming? You already knew. Uh, three or four months. I mean, wow. And in fact, there was some precursors to that, and there were some disagreements and stuff. And I like I knew it wasn't working, and I started doing some really serious soul searching. And I think part of the problem was that you know I was kind of enamored with certain you know, like superstars and people and like, I want to be like that guy or I want to be like that guy or I think I want to do this. And it was really more about imitating people than than figuring out who I really was. Right. And yeah, I think we've but, all done a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh, we all we all do it. And and when when the wolf was starting to be at the door and push was starting to come to shove, 
I had no choice but do some serious soul searching. It's like, you know what? The next job you get has to work or you are in serious trouble. Um, <laughs> right. Like really no, and sooner yeah. rather than later. And, and I started to really self-examine and go, okay, so how am I going to sell and how does this work? And I, I started being honest with myself where, you know, w- w- at Early on, when when I got yanked by the scruff of the neck, like, no, he's a sales guy. Mm. Like, I should have gone and found a different job. Right. Right. Because but you, I at that point, you kind of still wanted to identify with being an engineer. Well, and I, and and you I needed, were. And <laughs> I, I still do. Yeah, yeah. I still do. Like, sure. everything Perry does is going to have kind of this engineerish spin to it. Okay. And that's really great in certain circumstances. And I've, I've really designed my whole entire world to cater to that. I mean, my customers are, they're not super geeks, but they're all at least a little geeky. And some of them are really geeky. Uber geek. And I love them. I love them. Like they love me. I love them. It's great, man. You know, um, it's not for everybody. No. And and, and when I was in the air force, I, I worked with, uh, some of those like, like the really super math enabled type engineers. Have, have you been around these people? There's a scale oh, yeah. of engineer, right? <laughs> and uh, I sat next to this lady. She was amazing, right? We were both active duty, and I think we were uh, somebody's spouse was doing a uh, uh, master's degree, and this was like a, a thesis project. So we had to sit there and watch okay. videos, right? And basically decide whether or not this company was culpable in this court case. And I just sat there and kind of just absorbed all the video. And then in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, they should pay. Right. <laughs> and she was she had like stacks of papers and was doing like uh, an abacus and like geometry and and all kinds i was like oh my god <laughs> she's she's really got to yeah. work this out yeah uh it's kind of very insightful into the mind of the engineer so yes different sorts of people for sure right and so and so later on you know um after all this sales i find i did eventually get good at sales and good at marketing good at copywriting google adwords comes along like oh so we're supposed to look at a spreadsheet and figure out, you know, which one of those 12,000 websites is actually bringing the customers that convert. Like, mm. that's easy. That's easy. Right? Okay. Oh, my goodness. This is this is child's play. This is wow. anywhere near as difficult as half of my engineering classes. Wow. And, and you know, and so you you find your your little ecosystem that works for you. And. So you came up so, with a methodology of crunching that in a spreadsheet and was like, there you go. You, you mean, you well, yeah, do- I mean, I, I, <laughs> I kind of cracked, <laughs> you cracked the code. the code on it. I mean, yeah. me and a, a few dozen other people, we kind of figured out, well, this is how you do Google AdWords. This is the first thing you do. This is the second. I mean, nobody knew, you right. know, Google made this thing and they made it for their reasons and they made it the way they saw fit. And we're like, okay, what do we do with this crazy animal? And it was awesome, right? And yeah. now it's a what, you know, eighty billion dollar a year business. So, so no, and, and I played yeah, with that and, a lot. You know, that's the where you're looking at keyword keyword downloads, and then you put them into a spreadsheet, and then there's all kinds of numbers. Yeah. It drove me nuts. <laughs> 
that was one of those times when I found out, yeah, I, I'm not good at this, but good for you. You, you are. So that's amazing. And I know there's a lot of folks out there that got a lot of value out of that. You, so basically you went into the woods and you found that 20% for sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think that, um, internet marketers are people who like the idea of people, but they don't really like people. So they, <laughs> right. they, they just kind of sit in their cave and, and they, you know, whether it's the emails or the spreadsheets or the social media feeds or, or the podcasts or whatever, they, they kind they actually like to deal with the world at an arm's length. Yes. And a little bit and, of and, abstraction, a little bit of abstraction. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to talk about a person. I want to talk about my list yeah. because I'm just, I'm just more comfortable with that. Right. And you, and as a podcast, you, your audience, like you're probably more comfortable talking to me for, you know, with an audience of thousands of people listening than you are talking to thousands of people. So that works right. for you. Yeah, for sure. And now I don't mind talking to big audiences, but it takes a lot of work. <laughs> and right. just talking to you and right. recording it and putting it out there for anybody that wants to listen to it that's easy that's super easy right yeah 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 and and for some people it would drive them crazy oh yeah yeah i still have to i don't know some part of my dna uh who knows where these things come from but i i have this public fearlessness that sort of like gets me in trouble but apparently it's a superpower <laughs> right uh, a little bit. I've heard so many people say that, that like, I need to f engineer myself a job that pays that in involves speaking in front of large groups of people. Because Well, your superpowers do give you, get you in trouble. They do. Now, let me tell you. Let me t uh, this is a way to figure out what they are. Let me tell you a story that illustrates this. So, um, so I'm going to rewind all the way back to, um, when I was a sophomore in college, I think, or junior, um, I had this job working at WW Granger, which is a wholesale warehouse, heaters, fans, blowers, air conditioners, lighting kind of company. Um, and uh, they got branches all over the U.S. And, and I was working in their warehouse, like stocking shelves and stuff. It As an engineer. College. Oh, you're a college. Well, I was, right. a, I, okay. I was a I was studying engineering. Right. right so right. I mean, it's, it's just like a college student job. Right. Yeah. So we're stocking shelves. And, um, uh, one day it was a beautiful day in May and, uh, it was just gorgeous outside. Nobody really wanted to be at work and the boss was out of town and there wasn't a lot to do that day. And my friend Tony and I were feeling a little mischievous and so uh, this is Lincoln, Nebraska. We decided to play a trick on the people in Omaha, Nebraska, at the at the other Granger branch. Okay. And so um, I sat down and I wrote a fax. Uh, this is 1990, by the way. Wow. I, I wrote a fax, and it's it said from. Uh, Mr. Kieser, who is a CEO of the company, to all branch managers, um, dear branch managers, um, we are sorry to inform you that Granger stock has suddenly and inexplicably plummeted from $63 a share to thirty to $17 a share. 
And we will be closing all branches effective Friday. We wish to thank you for all of your hard work and dedication over these many years, and we will make every effort to complete payroll for the current week. So I wrote this fact. Wow. Now, was it handwritten or typed? I hope it was typed. It was typed. Okay, good. It was typed. It looked very, very <laughs> official. scary sounding. Wow. You basically said everybody lost their job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we faxed it to Omaha. Wow. And then we said Did you know anybody to- in Omaha? Oh, yeah. They were our buddies. Uh, okay. <laughs> we talked to them every day. You know, oh, we're out of stock. Will you send us some of this? Blah, blah. blah. Every day. We okay. talked to them every day, right? Okay, so so we faxed it to our buddies in Omaha, and we sat by the fax machine and we waited uh, for the phone to ring and for somebody to say, "Ha ha ha!" The very funny guys. Right. Come on. Right, right. Because they well, should have figured out that was coming from you. Well, they didn't call. Mm. And they didn't call. Uh oh. And about. An hour later, Tony and I, we can't stand it anymore. Now, we don't want to call them up and say, did you get our fax? Right. Because <laughs> it screws up the joke, for sure. We're still hoping that our joke will work. Right, right. We worked really hard at this thing. And so finally, Tony calls him. Oh, that was you? Oh, well. Brenda pulled that thing off the fax machine and she went hysterical and she started calling all of her relatives. I worked here for 12 years and I'm losing my job and I don't know what I'm going to do. Wow. (laughs) So, well, well, then what did you do? Well, we didn't really know what to think. So we faxed it to Des Moines. What? Oh gosh. Wow. And, And they didn't really know what to think. So they faxed it to Sioux city. Wow. And they didn't really know what to think, so they faxed it to Fort Smith, Arkansas. <laughs> that was you? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Th- that's a fax so, virus. So would you like to guess what my boss said to me when he came back the next day? You're fired? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tony and I both got fired. Wow. Tony had worked there for 10 years. And nobody thought um, it was fun. I had only worked there. Yeah, they didn't. In fact, I found out that. So, see, when my bo- when, when the boss came back the next day, Tony's like, Perry, we, we have to tell John about this. Because if he finds out about this from somebody else, they're going to get really mad. And so, John, you know, he and we're like, well, John, you're not going to believe what happened yesterday. You know, and we tell him about it. Okay. And then he calls his boss and well, that fax made it all the way to the CEO. Wow. Who had allegedly sent it. Yeah. Mr. Keezer. Yeah. It got all the way up to him. And let me tell you, every layer of management that that went up a level, it got less and less funny. Right, right. Wow. And by the time it got to the top, man, these guys were not happy. Yes. Wow. Okay. Get rid of this yo-yo. Okay. Now, the best part of it all 
was calling my brand new father-in-law because I had been married for 10 months at this point. Mm. Yikes. Ron is a farmer in Nebraska. Hey, Ron, you're not going to believe what happened the other day. So, you know, he probably didn't. (laughs) Okay. So, so now it wasn't until probably 15 years later, it occurred to me, Perry, that was your first successful experiment in electronic viral marketing. And you did it the first time out. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> it was my first fax ever, and it went viral. Wow. Right? You learned now, something then, 15 that years t- later anyway. Does that tell you something about what Perry should be doing for a living? Maybe. Maybe. Of course. Yeah. What you in trouble is probably your superpower. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Superpowers get if, you in so much trouble. If you go if you go through all, all of the biggest disasters of your life and your biggest screw-ups, just about every one of those things is the backside of a superpower. You're right. That's just a little bit camouflaged. Yes. I'll give you a crazy example. Please. I know I know a copywriter who's um, really wicked, wicked good, and he's especially wicked good at imitating his client's voice. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> like, whatever. So that's that's his superpower, imitating his, his client's superpower. voice. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So that's what you want from a copywriter, right? Okay. Well, th- this guy... This guy was, uh, for a period of time, um, he, he had this little addiction going where he was in chat rooms as a man pretending to be women, picking okay. up men, just, just virtually. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just to mess like, with them. Cause just to mess with them, you know, and like he started to like it. Okay. Like, and it got to be a problem. He got busted by his wife. It's like, what are you? Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and really your, your superpower will either, you know, lift you to the highest levels of success. It could also take you to the pits of hell. I mean, it could go both directions. Okay. Yeah. And most of us have had a little bit of both, if you know what I mean. For sure. Um, and, 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 and so really like if you're trying to figure yourself out, Hey, go through that big giant disaster list. Mm. Um, because I'm telling you, it's telling you something. Mm-hmm. You don't get in trouble for stuff that, that you do in a mediocre way. You usually get in trouble for stuff that you did really, really well. It was just the wrong thing to be doing at the time, you know, <laughs> like sending that fax. Yeah. Like, in hindsight, you like, really that, killed it. <laughs> that was really stupid. Yeah. Right. But even without even thinking about it, I mean, knew exactly what's, you know, and we will. And we will make every effort to complete payroll for the current week. You know, we'll, we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, twist the knife a little harder. Ouch. 
right? <laughs> so I twist a knife for a living. I send out emails for a living. I write books for a living. I mean, what a big surprise. Right. So what do you call that superpower? Is it, is it just writing in general, or is it copywriting or direct marketing? Um, well, it's all of those it's things. It's all those things. Um, I, I, I think... Uh, Engineering sales, isn't <laughs> Well, it's crafting soul connections via email. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. You, you people are on my email list, they feel like they know me. Right. Um, and there's almost kind of a psychic connection and, um, and, and you do and that so, when you write a book or a blog post, it's, it's like you're, you're just talking to that other person and they really connect, right? Just yes. with, yeah, just with that one person. Right. That's right. It does So your voice is, is intended to not sound like you're talking to a crowd, which a, a lot of things do, but. Right. Talking to that person, right, one to one. Yeah, that's that's a good superpower. People like that. They do. And who <laughs> knew? Like, I, I mean, really, I, I was. It, it took until I was um, in my late twenties before I had any idea that my writing ability had any commercial value whatsoever. Wow. Um, before that, it was like. I, well, writers, writers don't make any money. Like, why would you want to do that? What use is that? I had always been a good writer. I always knew that mm. I won some little contest when I was in sixth grade, but I, I didn't think it had anything to do with anything mm -hmm. like whoop de doo whatever. Well, well, it's, well, here we are in 2017 <laughs> and writing is pretty valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. So what do you mean when I'm looking at your one sheet here now? And this yeah. is, let's talk a little bit about the, the fractal nature of 80-20. Yeah. And how did you figure that out? Because when I think of fractals, did you ever yep. read, um, uh, I'm sure you did, like Black Swan, the, uh, the yes. Taleb book? Yeah. He yep. talked. He talked quite a bit about fractals. So I'm guessing it has something to do with what he's talking about. Yeah. So this is this is. Uh, so let's let's like take a little. You need to back up science, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> little a little science detour. This right. is really worth. This is re really worth knowing. Really worth knowing. So, um. So. I want you to imagine. That uh, we're you're going to order a table uh, made out of solid steel, uh, and you're going to order it from a machine shop, and you're going to tell the guys at the machine shop, "I want this table to be so flat on the top that it's like within ten thousandths of an inch flat." Okay. Okay. And furthermore, when you when you bring it into my dining room. I want you to level that thing with lasers and stuff so it's as absolutely level as possible, okay? Okay. So that's a setup, right? Gotcha. Now, here's what we're going to do. The the roof is going to spring a leak, and, and you're going to go away for a million years, and you're just going to let water dribble on that table, drip, 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 for like a million years. Wow. So That's the plan. All right. All right. Okay. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the little thought experiment. So here's the question. 
So since that table is perfectly level and since that table is perfectly flat, is the water going to bulge out completely evenly to all the sides of the table and then fall in a smooth waterfall glass of water down onto the floor? Or is the water going to find a way to bunch up and run in a particular direction? Huh. Huh. Now, I, and now I'm not now a if math you think of all the water droplets on, yeah, on yeah. Just, just think of your experience. What do you see water do? Water always flows, right? Yes. And it splashes, right? right? So it's never going to, you know, there's only so flat flat can be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? There's no yes. mathematical version of actually flat, right? It still yes. exists here. So there's going to be, yeah. you know, there, I don't care who you've got. You know, Mr. Spock and Scotty could combine to, to make that table. It would not be perfectly flat enough to have some sort of like cosmic sheen, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Okay. That's exactly correct. Okay. Good. Okay. So, so if that thing drips for a million years, no matter how flat you try to make it, that water is going to wear a groove, and pretty soon you're going to have a river, and it's just going to run straight down that river. And if we come back, that table is going to have channels in it from water flowing. Right. Okay. And that, and, and you multiply this long enough, you get a grand Canyon, right? Which is water flowing with, you know, there's big rivers, there's little ones, there's tiny ones, there's microscopic ones, and you add them all up and you get all of the contours of the grand Canyon. Mm. Okay. That is 80, 20. Whoa. That in fact, like that table, it's like, okay, the drip, 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 and it's got to go somewhere and it's not going to be perfectly flat. Mm. So think about what happens with that or any river. So the water just slightly prefers to go in one direction because the table isn't completely flat. And as soon as it starts to move in the direction, it will start wearing a Mm. deeper channel there and eroding until that's the only way the water wants to go. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that is that so is nature a, expresses eighty twenty better than we can figure it out. Is what you're trying to yes. get at? Yeah. Okay. And anything, anything in nature with self reinforcing behavior will act like that, and the math will be eighty twenty. Mm. So that's fractal. That's fractal. Just like and, a bubble fr- or something like that. Yeah. Okay, and the fractal part is it doesn't matter if that channel is a mile or a hundred feet or one foot or a or micron. If it's a, <laughs> or a micron. <laughs> right. It's the same thing. And and of course, if you look at rivers, rivers flow into rivers, which flow into rivers, which flow into rivers until they get to the ocean. Like sure. they 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 just they just keep merging together. That's fractal. Mm. It's a pattern and a pattern and a pattern and a pattern, and it's the branching. Mm. Okay, and so 80-20 is just the math of natural self-reinforcing behavior. So it's the math of sand dunes. It's the math of trees. It's the math of roads. It's the math of of avalanches. It's the math of the butterfly effect. That's all Mm. that it is. It's it's the math of nature. It's basically the, the most fundamental like math of nature. 
Yes. Yeah. Because the math of nature is cause and effect and the cause yeah, and effect yeah. are never equal because the water never wants to flow equally. The water always wants to flow where there's a path of least resistance, which makes a deeper path. So let's jump over to humans. You got two 14 year old kids and they sit on their back porch and they both try Jack Daniels and one of them likes it a little and the other one likes it a little more. Okay. <laughs> the one that the one that likes it a little um has two drinks a week for the rest of his life. The one that likes it a little more by the time he's 20, he's got a drinking problem. By the time he's 30, he's an alcoholic, and by the time he's 50, his liver blows up. Wow. Why? Because a little if, more. A little more and a little more. I liked that, so let's get a little more. I like yeah. that, so let's get a little more. The path of re least resistance again, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? So 20% of the alcohol buyers consume 80% of the alcohol, which means the alcoholics drink 16 times more than the non-alcoholics, and the good salespeople sell 16 times more than the bad salespeople. And the hot, rabid buyers of belts or shoes or domain names or whatever buy 16 times more than the average ones. Mm, and, wow. and all the money comes from the hyper-responsive customers, not from the rank and file. Wow. Wow. It's one of those uh, that, keys to the castle, right? <laughs> it absolutely is a key to the castle. And it's in, in any business, it's in every spreadsheet. It's in every report, yeah. every cash register. Every, so 80% of the traffic is, uh, is on 20% of the carpet. 80% of the people sit at 20% of the tables in the restaurant. 80% of the customers spend only 20% of the money and 20% of the customers spend 80% of the money and 20% of the 20% spend 80% of the 80% and 20% of the 20% of the 20% spend 80 of the 80, the 80, which by the way, 1% <laughs> of your customers spend half the money. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. You can just okay. like reduce, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You go into Google AdWords and you print out a, a report of all your clicks and your keywords and all those columns are 80-20. You go to Facebook advertising, you look at f your Facebook stuff, that's all 80-20. Wow. It's everywhere. Okay. And so you so if 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 you're one of these guys that does business by spreadsheets, well, okay, you take one column, you sort it, you figure out what the 80-20 is, and you go, okay, so these are the things where if I fix them, it's going to make a big difference. And then I get this big long list of things that won't make any difference. I might as well be polishing turds. So I ignore them. And then you go to wow. the next column and you sort it again and then you tweak a couple things. And then you go to the next column and you can, you can optimize a little bit of it and you get almost all the optimization and you can leave the rest of it alone. Just ignore the most of it. <laughs> Ignore most of it, and yeah, yeah. and if you don't do that, you'll you'll die a slow death. Yeah, because like, you, it'll just, there's no way you've got enough time to deal with everything. Right. right. So you're already it, doing it. It's just you're you you're trying to to come up with ways to do it with some insight, right? Especially well, right. Like Google uh, Google AdWords. I mean, as long as you find the right metric to to sort on, I could figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, it was always like, uh, um, 
I could never make up my mind about what was the, the, the best word to start with, you know? <laughs> anyway. Well, that's, that's why we write the AdWords books, right? To help people figure all that stuff out. And yeah, yeah. you know, if you're going to do AdWords or you're going to do Facebook, oh my goodness, you better go get an education or you will get slaughtered. You will pay so much stupidity tax to Google right. or Facebook. It'll make your head spin because yeah. you're like... You know, Google and Facebook, they have these really great brands and people like them and they like them so much that all these businesses put Facebook stickers in the window. And, you know, Google is this really wonderful company. Well, I want you to understand something. If you're an advertiser, that is how they pay for all that cool stuff they do. Right. That is how all of it gets right. paid for, right? Yeah. The Google Maps and, and, and like all well, of that crazy yeah, stuff, right? I mean, everything they, uh, they're, all their consumer face is free. Right. So right. got to be getting paid by something. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so this is a casino and you're playing against the house and they play for keeps and they do not give you your money back ever. Um, <laughs> and and if if you screw up, like it's all over. And if you know, if you had this big dream of 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 building this business and you saved up all this money and you wasted all your money on Google and you're bankrupt like they don't care so you, you really right. really have to be careful right um oh, yeah. and 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 uh and and in fact so 80 20 by the way is not necessarily 80 20 it could be 70 30 it could be 90 10 it could be 95 5 so for right, example right. yeah in Google AdWords 50 uh, 2% of the advertisers get 50% of the traffic. Right. Sure. 2% get 50%, like almost all of it, right? Um, this tiny percentage, there's, there's four positions at the top of, of Google AdWords. If you're not in one of those four positions, pretty much forget it. And so all these guys are just duking out. So you really... You really need to get smart. So this this is why I wrote Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. It's why I wrote Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. And if you're going to do those platforms, man, you get it. You get educated. You got to get because educated. It, or hire pretty. somebody to do it. One or the other. Okay, and Can I got to warn hire somebody to do it. Hiring somebody to do it is one of the hardest things to outsource that there is. Uh, yeah. And Okay. 80, 80 to 90% of agencies who do that work do lousy, mediocre work and do not know what they're doing. Wow. You have to be really careful. It is a right. bloody minefield. <laughs> oh, I get it. Just because it. it's so, it's like low-hanging fruit. I mean, really, I mean, you could, anybody can put up, make ads, right? I could make a bunch of ads. It doesn't mean they're going to, you know, make me any money. You know what it's like? It's, it's like playing drums, yeah, okay. everybody Whoever can play plays, drums, right? <laughs> yeah, every everybody can hit a circle with a stick, right? Right, right. Not but you know, if you ever beat, right? If you ever really paid attention to what a drummer does, like you know, there, there aren't that many really good drummers, and it, that that's what Google AdWords advertising is like. That's what Facebook advertising is like. It's it's just a lot harder than it looks, mm. and there's a lot more art to it, like. If you look at a like a, a good drummer is doing all of these little subtle things in addition to keeping the time and watching the signals from the band members like they're they're doing all these little ghost notes on the on the snare drum in between the notes just to add a little color and texture and it kind of interplays with the bass or something and it it sounds really delicious but you don't even know it's going on and that's 
That's what pay-per-click is like. And if, if you have the right mindset, it's, it's a really fun thing to do. You know, if you kind of like that arm's length and you kind of right. like the spreadsheets and stuff, like, it's, <laughs> right. it's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Um, but, because but, you but, get man, it, you know, yeah. And, and you're, and you're right. like the, uh, the Google AdWords drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Amazing. And you're the engine room of the band. Right. So I, 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 we have to wrap up because I got to go, but this has been a blast. Oh. And I, and, uh, and I didn't get to the whole, the art and psychology. We did a little bit, but I, I kind of wish we would have gotten into that a little bit more, you know, because I know there's, there's a lot of like, uh, where you want to get rid of like the head junk, that, that element on your oh. website. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't have time. We'll, let's, <laughs> we'll table well, it for next just, time. Yeah, go ahead. Let's just mention really briefly. Um, you know, I have seen people take a few thousand dollars of education and turn it into a fortune. I've I've seen people take hundreds of thousands of dollars and turning uh, turn it into a smoking pile of black ash. <laughs> um, and sure. <laughs> and and I I think it has as much to do with your head connecting with your heart and your inner attitudes towards money as it does with anything that you quote unquote know how to do in business. And, uh, if you go to perrymarshall.com slash head trash, right. Okay. Um, I, I, I wrote this email series called, um, dysfunctions, addictions and the financial burning busts. Okay. And so Sounds if, neat. if you have, found yourself sabotaging yourself financially or as a salesperson or as a marketer or as an entrepreneur, go sign up for that series, uh, Perry Marshall slash head trash. Let's check. Yeah. I'm going to check it out just because I like all that mindset stuff. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit twisted. I like a little bit just, twisted. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like it. Perry a little Marshall. bit psychotic. This is this has been a blast. I appreciate you uh, sharing stories and hanging out with me and uh, and and helping me laugh. This has been fun. Je Jeff, thank you for letting me tell these crazy stories. And um, um, it, you can uh, we have a little special deal. If you go to perrymarshall.com/slash/eighty-twenty, mm. you can get eighty-twenty sales and marketing for a penny plus shipping. Oh, nice. It'll save you about ten dollars compared to buying it on Amazon, and you'll get some extra stuff. And you'll also get to see the art of email marketing in action. Sweet. I will link to that in the show notes. That was a thank you very much, Perry. You, you have a good one. Well, thank and, you, uh, Jeff. And uh, maybe we can do this again. We'll talk a little bit about the, the head trash stuff. All right. Well, um, hey, it's been really great to have you uh, right. and be on, be on your show. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double -E E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.